after I talked through everything and grieved and processed and um, I just told the Lord like if this is if this is your plan for us like if this is the way our family starts and this is what you want then I'm all in but like I need a clear clear word from you that this is it Hi, I'm Danielle. Welcome to the Birth Journeys podcast. It is my belief that our birth journey has a lasting impact that goes far beyond delivery. It is my hope that through these stories, you would find the insight, tools, and the courage to go on and have your own positive and empowering birth journey. Just as a reminder, any information you hear on this podcast is meant to inform and encourage you on your birth journey and not intended to replace advice from your medical professional. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Birth Journeys podcast. Today we have Abby on and she's going to be sharing two stories with us. Um, First, she's going to be sharing... Um, an adoption story with us, and then she's going to go on to share um, her pregnancy and birth story with us. And I'm so excited to hear all the all the details of those. So, um, anyways, hi Abby. I'm so excited to hear your stories. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, why don't you just start out by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So. Um... I live in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan with my husband of almost six years, and I'm a stay-at-home mom of three. Um, We are in our first year of homeschooling, uh, my six-year-old and four-year-old, and then my baby is three months old. And um, in this season of life, I would say my current favorite hobby or thing I enjoy doing is baking all things sourdough and just being creative in the kitchen in general. (laughs) Cool. So why don't you start off by telling us where your birth journey begins? Um, And this kind of looks different for everyone. It's kind of, I kind of like to ask like where your first introduction to like birth or your desire for motherhood came into your life. Yeah. So as long as I can remember, I've wanted to have a family. Um, I grew up in a big family. I have seven sisters and five brothers. So, I mean, five of them are younger than me. So birth was introduced to me then, I guess, with um, having siblings born into my family. And I absolutely love having a bunch of siblings. It's so much fun. It was growing up and it still is now. And um, yeah, so I've always wanted to have a family maybe not that big but (laughs) (laughs) so where I guess you did your adoption journey first so I'd love to start out with that story where did that that begin what did that look like um yeah I mean it didn't start out uh, with us knowing it was going to be adoption so um when my husband and I got married we um we didn't we knew we didn't want to have kids right away and then probably about a year in to marriage um i was just kind of working through some health issues and wanting to get that figured out before um, we even tried to get pregnant and um during that time 
uh, the Lord called us to move to Michigan. We were living in New Hampshire at the time. And um, during the time, you know, we were preparing to move, there was a few months um, from when we decided we were moving till we actually moved. Uh, somewhere during that time, the Lord placed foster care on my husband's heart first. And I can't say I was totally on board with the idea right away. Um, the Lord had to do some work in my heart <laughs> before mm-hmm. I was on board with that. Um, but it kind of just like felt like a confusing time for that to be coming up because we were like in the middle of moving. Um, but we just kind of decided we'll just revisit that once we get settled in Michigan and go from there. Um, and it wasn't like we weren't here for even days before the Lord just started like opening up doors and putting people in our lives and just like so many signs pointing to foster care. And, um, so we pretty quickly, we moved here in February of 2019 and in April we started the licensing process, um, for foster care. And we also did get licensed to adopt, but we weren't going into it with intentions of adopting. Um, I mean, the goal of foster care is reunification with their biological family if possible. Um, so that was that was our intention going into it. We will, you know, we were willing to open our home to kids for however long they needed it and just provide a safe and loving place. And we didn't really know what that looked like, but we got licensed for ages zero to three, uh, any gender and, um, it was probably we were in the licensing process for probably seven, eight months. And we were having a setback um, with our septic actually at the house we were renting. And we had gotten like three feet of snow. This was in like November. And our licensing worker was like, probably just plan like you'll be licensed in the spring. Like we're not going to be able to do anything with the septic throughout the winter anyway so just plan that you won't be licensed till spring so we were like all right we'll settle in and uh for the winter and you know revisit this in the spring but throughout this whole time like we never had any doubts or anything that like the lord was closing the door or anything like we were totally at peace like the timing just wasn't right um so probably a couple weeks after we were told that, uh, December 4th, we got a, I got a phone call um, that there were two kids um, in our area that were getting removed from their home that day and they needed somewhere to go. And for some reason, mine and Justin's name came up that we were in the process of, of licensing and so she said if you guys are interested we can figure out some things to get your license expedited or get some variances to make this work if you guys want Mm. so i called justin and told him what was going on gave him a little bit of information that i had about the kids and he was like yeah this is what we've been praying for right Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's do it so what was that feeling um, that was like about... when they called and, you know, were like, oh, we have these kids and, like, we can make it happen now? Like, what did you feel like hearing that? 
all the feelings. Yeah, <laughs> it I was, can like, imagine. <laughs> exciting, but like terrifying and like so unprepared. Like obviously in our mind we had months still. And even then, like I was like, okay, they're gonna have to wait till we're licensed, so maybe it'll be like a week. They'll probably have to go somewhere else for a week or something. But no, they like that whole day was just phone calls and paperwork and people running here and there and doing this and that. Like they were at our house at six o'clock that evening. Wow. So Whoa. like we had eight hours. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Um, uh, I guess so they were was, kidding uh, when they said expedite. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. Oh, it was crazy, but the agency was amazing with, mm. like, we we had a crib. That was it, because you had to have a crib if you were getting licensed for um, zero to three. So we had a crib, but, like, literally nothing else for kids. Mm. <laughs> so they got us a bed. They got us a high chair, you know, everything we needed to to get them set up that night so um it was a 14 month old girl and a two almost three year old boy they are um biological siblings um so yeah from there honestly those first couple weeks were kind of a blur (laughs) i think we were in shock for a while and there's just a lot that goes on in those first few weeks um, with foster care. There's court hearings and paperwork and, in our case, visitations with a uh, bio parent and it's a lot. Mm. <laughs> and then not to mention, like, trying to take care of these kids whose life just got turned completely upside down and were placed into a stranger's home, you know. Um so that's yeah where it started and so yeah I just kind of wanted to share a little bit about what I experienced um throughout that time um because I feel like or I felt like it wasn't really talked about much in the foster care adoption world um I think it's kind of like romanticized maybe or like oh that's so amazing you guys are taking these kids in and they're so lucky to have you and all this stuff which like sure maybe that's true but like it was very very difficult like Mm. going from like I said we had eight hours to prepare going from just my husband and I to two toddlers like it was insane (laughs) and I I never knew this was a thing but I experienced like I guess I would call it post placement depression Mm. like postpartum but I didn't give birth um there was a couple months there of like I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning I counted down the hours to bedtime and like felt like the life had been sucked out of me (laughs) Mm. and um a lot of people most people probably don't even know that like I I probably seem normal on the outside and like I went on and did what I had to do to take care of the kids and live my life but it was it was rough (laughs) and um I think just like I said with the shock of going through so much and grieving 
my old life and um, just so much unknown with, you know, we have no idea how long these kids are with us for. And um, also in foster care, like you have to report everything to caseworkers. Um, so any little bump or bruise or this or that, like, I felt like I was just like constantly on edge, making sure they didn't get hurt or nothing happened, you know. Um, so that went on for a couple months. And then I finally reached out to a couple um, friends and family members for counsel. And I started getting my um, health back on track. And that helped tremendously. Um, and in those first, probably within three months or so, um, the caseworker had mentioned that it was looking like bio parents' rights are going to be terminated. Um, so if you guys are interested in adoption, like that's something you guys need to be talking about and thinking about, which was a lot to try to process um, so early on which it's not, it's not normal that cases move that quickly, but yeah. So how long had it, it had they been with you again? <clears throat> so I think they had been with us about like three months, maybe oh, when it wow. was first mentioned, it wasn't like you need to make a decision now, but like you should start thinking about that if this mm -hmm. is something you guys are interested in. And had you felt um, like they're like they had adjusted that quickly or was it still, you know, like a big adjustment for um, them? They, they adjusted really well. Um, okay. I mean, some of the behaviors and things that we were seeing, like, changed very quickly. And even people who knew them, you know, before they had come to live with us um, were like, wow, like, they're completely different kids. Hmm. Um, so I think just, like, having that structure and um, some stability was huge for them. Um, so they adjusted well. I think it was honestly me that had the harder time adjusting. Um, but yeah, it was really hard to even imagine adoption at that time. Like, like I said, I was in like this depression and to think of like, in my mind at that time, that was what it was going to be like forever. Like I couldn't mm -hmm. see the big picture mm -hmm. and um my husband and I were not on the same page about that for a long time and um it was it was hard we had a lot of hard conversations and they didn't always end well and it was just kind of something we avoided for as long as possible um but I think it was probably in like June then. So December to June where we were like really needing to make a decision and obviously more time had passed. I was feeling better. I was feeling more adjusted and kind of being able to see the big picture a little bit more like, okay, if we adopt them, it's not, um, it's not going to be like this forever. There's not always going to be caseworkers coming in and out of our house. There's not always going to be visitations with bio parents. Like, it completely changes once they're adopted. It's, it's basically like they were born born biologically into your family. Mm -hmm. um, so once I had some time to process and um, think about it and 
be able to see the big picture more. Um, somebody had um, recommended that Justin and I just like kind of get away for a couple of days and just like talk through everything, pray through everything. Like this is a huge life decision. So you want to make sure you're on the same page and like, like you're going to do this, you're going to do it for life. Mm -hmm. um, so we did that. Um, unfortunately it was 2020. So it was like COVID. We couldn't leave the state because there was travel bans and we had to abide by them. So we went and stayed at an Airbnb in town and, um, we did that. We just talked about everything regarding the situation and we prayed and, um, kind of just surrendered it to the Lord. And, um, it was a Saturday night. I remember I, after I talked through everything and grieved and processed and, um, I just told the Lord, like, if this is, if this is your plan for us, like if this is the way our family starts and this is what you want, then I'm all in. But mm -hmm. like, I need a clear, like clear word from you that this is it. So the next morning, um, Sunday morning, we went to church at what is now our home church, but at the time it wasn't, we were like on vacation. So we went to a new church <laughs> <laughs> and, um, the worship team that morning sang the song, uh, so will I. And when they got to the line that says, if you gave your life to love them, so will I, I just like completely broke down. And it was just so clear to me that that was for me from the Lord. Like we, he wants us to adopt them. Wow. <laughs> um, so that song is really meaningful <laughs> to us now and it's just crazy how yeah the lord wow. just had his hand in that whole situation and it's probably two weeks later we signed the intent to adopt form and again with covid stuff it kind of held up the process a bit um, so it wasn't until April of 2021, they were officially adopted into our family. Wow. So they're six and four now and doing so well. Not to say it's just all rainbows and butterflies now, but <laughs> mm -hmm. um, we've all come a long way. Oh, I bet. Wow, what a journey. Yeah. Ugh. Just crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can't imagine so what did that feel like then like when it became like official and like it's like wow like hey these are my children like they're mm -hmm. mine like what I mean can you even put that hey. into words <laughs> like you know when that happened I mean we got birth certificates with our names yeah. as them as the parents like uh -huh. it was just so weird because like I didn't give birth to them, but uh -huh. in the legal system, like they were, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I know my, my husband adopted my oldest daughter and, um, when we got her birth certificate, you know, with his name on it, it was just like mind blowing. Like mm -hmm. adoption is just like such a beautiful, I mean, just like, it's like the picture of Jesus, you know, like there's, 
Oh, for sure. <laughs> There's just nothing that's like more a picture of who Jesus is like than you know when you experience that. It's so beautiful. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, I mean the kids um definitely went through like another adjustment yeah. period after that and like I think just with like that finalization and uh I also went through like a slight post adoption depression again like not nearly as bad as the first time mm-hmm. or as long but like it was just really interesting like how all of those things came back again but then yeah like within a couple months I totally felt back to myself again mm-hmm. it's wow. just interesting I've never heard of that before <laughs> yeah no I haven't either and I mean I guess in my mind I would obviously think that like foster care would be very difficult like um I always just admire you know families that do take in foster children because I know that like it has to be such like a sacrifice and adjustment and like you know taking kids in that aren't yours and you you know you never met them before like it's not even like it's babysitting your friend's kids or something like they're like you know (laughs) under your care and you know you've never met them before and then obviously you know not knowing what that what kind of situation they come from and like you know there's adjustments Mm -hmm. and I'm sure all these emotions within obviously you and the kids and like yeah just Mm -hmm. I always just think like it's such like a beautiful sacrifice for like to be able to do that so it totally makes sense to me that you would go through you know those feelings and and dealing with stuff like that because I mean like you said it totally just like turned your life upside down (laughs) you know like when when you have a baby like you know a lot of people when they have their first baby they go through that like you know that they're losing their free life that they had before the baby and so like but like even with Mm -hmm. that like you have nine months to prepare for it and you like know that this baby's coming so like to have it happen in the way that you did like yeah you knew that eventually you were gonna do this but like to have your life totally turned upside down and then like have these babies and then so soon be like oh okay well you know do you want them like for life? (laughs) I can't imagine. (laughs) But I love, I love that, like, like your obedience, like to what God was calling you to do. And like, like you said, like it wasn't Mm -hmm. easy, but like that you, you know, took the, the steps to like be faithful to what he was calling you to do. And then like him, like giving you like the signs that you needed and that peace that you needed. And like, like those mm-hmm. kids were meant to be part of your family and like yeah like how cool is that like that those were your yeah. first kids <laughs> like that's just right. so beautiful <laughs> yeah yeah, oh. yeah and uh, I, so do you, I just I'll wanted to share about that um I don't know my kids probably won't ever listen to this but just I don't ever want it to sound like I didn't want them <laughs> like oh yeah like no. I said, I just needed that time to like mm-hmm. process and be able to see the big picture and make yeah. a decision clearly. Yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah. um, throughout that process, I I kind of left out a lot of details, you know, as far as foster care and licensing and all of that because I don't think it's really necessary. But if there's anybody listening who, um, like 
wants more details or information on all of that, I'm happy to share more, like if they want to message me or something. Yeah, no, we'll definitely put your information in the show notes and we can make it easy for people to reach out for you for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a question, but I guess it right away. If it comes back, I'll ask. Um, okay. So now that you, you know, you've started your family and it wasn't really in the way you thought, but there you are. <laughs> so what did that journey look like going on to like add on to it biologically? Yeah, so it was probably about a year later, you know, like early 2022, um, that we were like feeling adjusted and settled and like, okay, like what, do we want to grow our family? What does that look like? You know, do we try to have biological children? Do we continue fostering, adoption? You know, like we were still um, licensed for foster care, so that was an option. Um, but we just like, we literally just had a couple conversations about it, maybe prayed about it once. Like it was just kind of a loose conversation, um, at the time of like, you know, what does this look like? And my husband was also, um, in the process of just starting a new business. Um, so we kind of had a lot going on, but it was just a conversation. Um, and the Lord decided that for us without (laughs) any notice. So yeah, in May, like we didn't change a thing. And one day in May, I was a few days late and it wasn't like abnormal for me to like go a couple days later, but like this was a little longer than usual. So I was like, I'll just take a test. Every time I take a test, they're negative. And then I start the next day. I took a test and it was positive and I won't say what I said right away, but I was quite shocked. And I, my husband was getting um, the kids breakfast and I went out to the bedroom and told him to come in and showed him the test. And I was like, this says I'm pregnant, but I don't believe it. (laughs) Everybody, (laughs) like people get false positives all the time, but this is the only test I have. So Gonna run to the store and get some more. (laughs) So you ran to the store and got a couple more, and I took two more, and they were positive. And like I was still in denial. I just was like, "There's no way." (laughs) And the next day, I took one or two more, and those were positive. So I was like, "Okay, five positive tests. I'm probably pregnant." (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was. I mean, we were excited, but it was it was crazy. Might have been, yeah, like I said, in denial for a couple of days. <laughs> That's awesome. I know I've had a surprise <laughs> pregnancy, and it's like <laughs> I totally get the the words that come come out of your mouth when you see that positive line. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, oh. wait a second, how did this happen? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> So going on, starting this, this pregnancy journey, um, like what did you decide to choose for care? How was your pregnancy? Um, where did you go from there? Um, yeah. So I went with a midwife, um, at a birth center. I, I mean, I had known if I ever got pregnant and I still lived in this area, I would go with 
these midwives um, because I have friends that have gone to them and really like them and we don't have very many options in this area. So um, they are based in Wisconsin, so they are not licensed to do home births in Michigan. So the only option for me was to go to their birth center, which is about 45 minutes away. Um, and they were amazing. My husband came with me for the first like consultation and to tour their facility and stuff. And he was like, wow like we're definitely going with them and one of the things that like really sold us on them was i had i was just like kind of concerned about my <clears throat> progesterone because my hormones have been kind of off in the past and i mentioned to them that to them at the consultation like i was really nervous that i was gonna lose this baby because i don't know how my hor hormones are and um my midwife like literally dropped her clipboard right there and was like well let's check right now wow. and yeah she drew my blood right there I hadn't signed anything with them or anything like I mean I signed before they drew my blood but like I hadn't agreed to do care with them or anything and she drew my blood and said we'll re have results in the morning and yeah we were like okay they like actually care about us and mm -hmm. this baby and it was just like super felt super personal and just comfortable mm. um so yeah we went obviously continued care with them and um my progesterone was pretty low so she got me started on a suppository that I took until 16 weeks and um yeah everything was pretty good in the beginning i had a lot of cramping which was kind of weird i had never really heard other people talk about that um being a thing but i had that and then i did get pretty nauseous um for the first trimester and i was so extremely tired like i have never felt exhaustion mm. like that <laughs> in my life like, I would just yeah. fall asleep anytime I sat down um but yeah overall I felt pretty good and then by like 16 weeks I was feeling normal nausea had gone away and I was having more energy um the rest of my pregnancy was pretty uneventful up until the end <laughs> mm -hmm. um at 35 weeks, I had a tooth infection and had to get a tooth pulled. Oh, no. Um, 38 weeks, I the baby gave, like, a little scare. He, like, didn't... Oh, we found out it was a boy. Um, he didn't, didn't move hardly for a couple days, and I was like, what's going on? Like, I don't know. It just made me really nervous, so we went and got checked, and, of course, as soon as I got hooked up to the monitor, he started moving like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then... At 38 weeks and five days, I, um, well, prior to that, at like a couple of my prenatal appointments and like when I had gone to the hospital to get, to, you know, make sure baby was okay, um, my blood pressure had been like trending slightly higher. Um, she wasn't super concerned at the time, but just like my midwife in her mind was just like, we're going to keep an eye on that. Um, but then when I had um, 
the higher reading at the hospital when I went to get the baby checked at 38 weeks. And then she wanted me to monitor at home a few times after that. And um, they were high. So at 38 weeks and five days, my midwife called. I had sent her that morning um, my blood pressure readings from the weekend. And she called me and was like, I'm not really comfortable with where your blood pressure's at. And, oh, I also had gestational diabetes, which I was um, just controlling with diet. Um, yeah, she wasn't comfortable with where my blood pressure was at and the gestational diabetes. And um, she wanted, basically was like, it's time to get induced. Like, I know this is not what you had planned, but like, we need to do what's safest for you and the baby and it's time to have your baby mm. um so I was devastated like obviously that wasn't what I had planned and mm. just with like going to this hospital where I knew nobody they didn't know me like um my midwife was not or she was going to come like once I was in active labor, but just like the fact of just going there and I just have heard so much negativity about hospitals, I guess, regarding mm -hmm. birth. And I was just like, I'm not like a very confrontational person either. So I was just like so scared that I was going to get talked into doing something I didn't want to do or, you know, mm -hmm. all of that. Um, but obviously I wanted to do what was best for me and the baby. So we packed our bag and dropped the kids off and said, we'll be coming home with a baby mm -hmm. and headed out and got to the hospital. And um, they just monitored for a few hours and my blood pressure was totally fine. And the doctor, or they did uh, labs to check for um, preeclampsia symptoms and um, I had nothing like everything was good so the doctor was like there's not really any reason for you to be here <laughs> like your blood oh, pressure wow. is fine like you don't have pre any preeclampsia signs um, you're only 38 weeks and five days so like I technically can't even induce you because or he said you know they couldn't induced without a medical reason until 39 weeks and that was like wait what <laughs> like <laughs> I'm going home with a baby <laughs> like, I honestly was like begging him to induce me because I was just like done at that point mm -hmm. and he was like I'll consult with the other doctor and whatever and in the meantime I called my midwife like she was amazing through all of this because she was like the doctors, like, I know the doctors and nurses there, like, you're going to be just fine. They're not going to talk you into doing anything you don't want to do. Like, you'll be fine. But she said, just call me anytime. So, like, anytime the doctor came and gave us any information, we would call her and be like, this is what he said, you know. Um, and she was amazing. Like, she would give her thoughts, her recommendations. But, like, you guys pray about it and, like, do whatever you have peace with. Um so the doctor came back and was like, I'm not 
not willing to induce you, but if you want to stay the night and like continue monitoring, um, we can do that. And so I was like, okay, low key hoping my blood pressure would be high through the night. <laughs> Looking <laughs> oh, back now, it's so dumb, but um, <laughs> hey, I get but, it when nope, you're that far along. Totally <laughs> and when you're expecting that you're going to like going to the hospital and coming home with a baby and then they're like no it's like wait a second i i was told right. i was having a baby I know. <laughs> so i totally get right. it <sighs> yeah everything was totally fine so they said just like go home you don't have to be on bed rest but just like take it easy and we'll check back in on wednesday which was like two days later when i was 39 weeks and i was like seriously i'm gonna go home like Obviously, my blood pressure is fine. I'm laying here in a hospital bed. Like, I go home to my normal life with my two kids. <laughs> my blood pressure mm. is probably going to go back up. <laughs> so I'll probably be back here on Wednesday. Sure enough, I went home and, like, I literally did nothing. I sat on the chair and went to the bathroom. And that was all I did for two days. And my blood pressure still stayed up, according wow. to my monitor at home. So Wednesday... Um, when I was 39 weeks, my midwife again was like, yeah, like this time for sure you're going to get induced. Um, she wasn't comfortable with my blood pressure being up, gestational diabetes, all of that. So we're like, okay, this time we're coming home with a baby. And that day <laughs> I had the whole day to prepare. So like my house was ready. We were ready to come home with a baby. Um, went in and I did start, they did start me on, um, Cervidil and we did that overnight. When I got there, like my cervix was closed, um, fully posterior and I was 40% effaced. Um, so they started Cervidil and that they, they keep it in for 12 hours. So, um, after the 12 hours was up, I was dilated a centimeter and a half but still posterior and 40% effaced so we did another um, Cervidil and had that in throughout the whole day and like I had contractions and I was just walking around a lot and like it felt like it was progressing throughout the day the contractions were like really painful and rough by the end of the day um but they, when they t it was time to take that out, um, I still hadn't progressed at all. Still, still at the same um, dilation and everything. And so they took that out and did a fully bulb over the next night. I don't know if I should explain what that is or yeah, sure you can. People know. Um, so they basically put like a balloon in your cervix and fill it with water and then once you're dilated to three centimeters it just like falls out um my contractions like completely stopped and everything once they took the cervidil out and then they did the fully bulb and the doctor did say like your cervix is pretty far posterior so i don't know if i'm gonna get this in like correctly but we can just try it and see how it goes overnight so in the morning, um, the bulb had just like fallen out, didn't do anything. Um, I don't know if it didn't get put in correctly or if there wasn't enough water or 
what, but it didn't do anything. I, my cervix was still in the same spot it was the morning before. Um, so my again, my blood pressure was totally fine this whole time. Baby mm-hmm. was doing fine. My blood pressure was fine, and the doctor who was on call that day then, um, she was like there's no reason for you to be here wow <laughs> Your blood pressure is fine <laughs> baby's fine like the next step would be pitocin but like that would be potentially be like really long and hard mm. labor and then we would likely end in a c-section and i don't think you or i want that wow and at that point i was like you have got to be kidding me. Like, <laughs> schedule the C-section. I don't care. <laughs> like, I was so done. And, um, yeah, finally we decided, let's compare monitors. I brought my blood pressure monitor from home. Let's compare it with the hospitals and, like, see if they're right. Because we had bought a new, brand new blood pressure monitor, too, like, the first time we got sent home from the hospital. So we did that and turns out my blood pressure monitor was reading like 20 high. Wow. Oh my god. So goodness. I never had high blood pressure. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, I know. Like I have no idea what the reasoning for that was. Huh. Like my midwife was just baffled. She was like, I have never been in this situation before. I have never had somebody transfer to the hospital and then leave or like come back into my care you know yeah and and then she'll like start getting induced and get sent home again <laughs> like <laughs> she did not know what to do mm. but she was then she like consulted with some of her other midwives and stuff and she was like okay here's what we're all feeling like your blood pressure is obviously fine like yeah you have the gestational diabetes but I'm comfortable with you know, you birthing at the birth center with that. Um, so go home, like relax. Don't check your blood pressure. Like this baby is going to come when it's time to come. Wow. So once she was comfortable with me transferring back to her care, I was like totally at peace. And I was like, okay, like if I don't have to worry about my blood pressure or anything, like I'm fine. Mm. We'll go home. <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. I'm again. like I'm so impressed with the, like, the staff at that hospital. Like, they for were them. incredible. Wow. Yeah. For them to, like, have the opportunity. I feel like they're always, like, ooh, they have, like, their hot button on the Pitocin, their hot finger on the Pitocin, like, they can't oh, wait. And And it, for them to, like, totally just be, like, yeah, we, twice, to be, like, yeah, you don't have a reason to be here. <laughs> like, I'm right. so impressed. That's amazing. Yeah. The doctors and the nurses, like, even a couple nurses even told me, like, this is your birth. If there's anything you don't want, Mm. you tell us, whatever, like, this is your birth. Whatever you want goes, basically. I love it. And I, like, every time a new doctor came on, I, like, had to make sure, like, okay, if I have this baby, I want an hour of skin to skin, and I want delayed cord clamping and, like, listing off all my things. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, like, standard for us. I'm like, (laughs) Okay. <laughs> um, so it was amazing. Maybe that was why the Lord had us do that. So I would change my mind about hospitals. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, but they were amazing. Wow. So so we went home. Some 
very upset children. Oh. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, so, like, obviously I'd started getting induced. I was a centimeter and a half dilated, which I didn't know this at the time. But, like, once you dilate, it, it doesn't go back. Like, you worked for that. You get to keep it. Mm. <laughs> so I was, I was happy about that. Um, but I, like, just expected that I would go into labor soon then. So I was like, yeah. hey, every day then I was just like, okay maybe tonight's gonna be the night or like I would have some cramping and stuff and like okay maybe it's tonight you know and like there was so many sleepless nights where I was just like is that it no (laughs) it was horrible and Mm. when I got home from the hospital that second time I was like I don't want to see anybody I don't want to go anywhere like I am staying put until this baby comes Mm -hmm. and then days and days went by wow (laughs) and then I like would get a wave of like okay I'll go out and see people and whatever like baby's gonna come when it comes and like then I would be like I don't want to see anybody again (laughs) (laughs) it was just kind of like a quite the emotional roller coaster for a couple weeks there um but then so I'm trying to remember where we're at now 40 weeks I had my 40 week appointment and yeah everything was fine um midwives wanted to schedule an appointment for um 41 weeks and I just like laughed I was like there's no way I'm gonna be at that appointment (laughs) like I'm gonna have my baby before then nope there I went to the 41 week appointment still no baby (laughs) and so then at 41 uh and three my midwife had me do um some pumping um just to say no she doesn't allow you to birth at the birth center um, if you go over 42 weeks I would have had to transfer back to um, be induced so we wanted to like kind of get things moving along so I didn't have to do that mm-hmm. um, so yeah 41 and 3 she had me do some pumping throughout the day to kind of try to get things going and excuse me um, yeah I had some contractions while I was pumping randomly throughout the day and um yeah that that evening I was like I think this is it tonight's gonna be the night (laughs) um and yeah sure enough at 4 a.m I woke up with some contractions and I got up to use the bathroom and like had some water go down my legs and um I thought it was my water breaking but turns out it wasn't um but I called my midwife and she was like okay yeah like things are probably gonna start picking up but just go back to sleep and you know contractions will wake you up when you need to be up so I went back to bed did not sleep (laughs) um (laughs) I probably laid there for like a couple hours it was so hard not to wake my husband up but finally when he woke up at like 6 30 I was like we're gonna have a baby today and he was like oh, really like, I heard you awake but I figured you were just like awake and upset that you weren't going into labor <laughs> but I was like no I've been contracting since like 4 a.m so I got up and had some breakfast and took a shower and um by like 7 30 I was just like I was just like expecting to labor at home all day um but by like seven thirty, I had I was uh, timing my contractions, and I was like, weird. Like some of these have been pretty close, like four and a half, five minutes apart. 
or, you know, I think maybe five of them had been. So I called my midwife and I was like, kind of feel like closer together contractions. I don't know if I should still wait the full hour or what should I do here? And she was like asking if they're taking my breath away and, you know, stopping me in my tracks and stuff. And I said, yeah, definitely. So she said, all right, pack up and head over. So by eight o'clock, we dropped the kids off and headed there and got there about nine o'clock. And then um, when I got there, I consented to a cervical uh, check and I was four centimeters dilated and 80% effaced. And the baby was really low and in a good position. So they just kind of let us be and it was just me and my husband in the room and they would just come in and check on us randomly and um laboring was like a lot easier than I was expecting like it wasn't as painful as I was expecting um just like I was just breathing through and finding positions that were comfortable and um at one point I like started having some like pushy contractions, like just like involuntarily start pushing. So then my midwife checked again and I was six centimeters. That was like three hours later. Um, so then they filled the tub for me and that was amazing. Like I loved being in the water. It was so relieving mm. and I just felt like I was just like in my own little peaceful world. I everyone was very quiet. There was uh, two midwives and then a student midwife um, there, and I just like had my music and my diffuser going, and it was just so peaceful and so comfortable. And um, I labored in the tub for probably two and a half hours. And I started having some more pushy contractions when I was in the tub. So I got out of there and I was at nine centimeters. And at, so at 4.45, my water broke. And um, then at 5.15, I started pushing consistently. Um, it was really hard for me at first. Like I couldn't figure out how to push. It was just the weirdest thing. Um, I would say throughout that, you know, like I pushed for an hour and a half total. And like throughout that was the only time where it was like really painful. And where I was like, I was never like, I can't do this or I need pain meds or anything like, but it was just like, how much longer do I have to do this? <laughs> um, but then at one point I was able to feel his head and they showed me with a mirror. And then I was like, okay, we're getting somewhere. I can do this. Um, but then the baby's heart rate started dropping and um, midwife was getting a little bit concerned. So she did give me a slight episiotomy. Not, not very much, but that was not fun. Mm. Um, but then after that, I think it was like within 12 minutes after that, he was, he was born then. Um, 
his heart rate had gone back up after she did the episiotomy. So that was just what he needed. And um, yeah, he came out in one big push then and his cord was super short so he could only get up to my belly. <laughs> um, but it stopped pulsing pretty quickly and Justin was able to cut the cord and like it was just crazy like how quickly just like everything stopped like the pressure was gone the pain was gone and it was just like us and our baby <laughs> and like meanwhile in my like back of my mind or you know like I could just like see the midwives going crazy you know in the background just like on top of everything and it was just so cool to just see how well they all worked together they were just like communicating across the room to each other and it was just so cool mm. um but yeah he came out screaming and crying and we just i don't know how long we hung out there with him it was probably a good hour hour and a half and they came and stitched me up and oh sorry I'm looking at my notes here oh yeah shortly after um he was born I was like I feel like I'm having a contraction so she's like okay just give a little push so I gave a little push and the placenta came out and yeah that was his birth <laughs> wow Wow, so how long did it end up being? You started, it was 4 a.m., and then he was born at what time? Uh, 6.47. Wow, so yeah, that wasn't so it was like 15 too hours, bad. I yeah, I mean, right. for, I mean, sometimes they can be longer, for sure, with a first-time first time right. labor. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And you said, like, it wasn't yeah. super painful even until the pushing part. Right. Yeah, like I said, it was about an hour and a half of pushing, and, like, that part was really intense. Mm -hmm. But other than that, yeah. Yeah. It was a lot better than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. So you said that it was, like, kind of hard to get the hang of pushing or, like, to figure it out. Um, did you, like, have the urge to push? Or, like, because you, you said that you're, you're having pushy contractions. So what, like, what, I guess yeah. what was that like? Um, I think I was, I was wanting to like work with my breath like I was throughout the contractions instead of like holding my breath and like bearing down and pushing. Mm -hmm. And I just like couldn't get my mind to grasp that once it was time to like really push, you know. And um, once I like, okay, I gotta, the, the um, student midwife there was kind of like as a, acted as a doula for me and she was like right there next to me kind of just like showing me and how to push and stuff so that was super helpful so once I got the hang of it things started progressing but okay. yeah I think I was just like breathing out when I should have been holding my breath yeah that, that makes, makes sense, sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so <clears throat> your immediate postpartum you you delivered the placenta. Um, did your baby latch right away or? Um, yes. Yeah, he did for a little bit. And then like after a while when they were like, okay, we want to, we should make sure he's 
um, breastfeeding some. It was it like took a bit. Mm-hmm. With their help, I feel like he was able to latch. But when I tried to on my own, it was really hard. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> so what did they do for like a newborn exam and stuff in a birth center? Like, did they do all of that right with you right there? Yeah. So it was really cool. They, um, I think they first brought the placenta and just like, I mean, they like examine it and stuff, but they just did it right on the bed. So I could see it too, which was super interesting to me. Mm. Um, it was really big. She said, I don't know what that means, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah. And then they weighed him and just again did this all right on the bed um just like looked over you know make sure he has all of his fingers and toes and measured him and um they just noted everything you know like vernix and um trying to think of what else yeah i don't know just all the standard make sure he's healthy you know Mm -hmm. yeah I know I think it's neat like in that kind of setting like to at least for me at home I I don't guess I don't know if it was like the same but to kind of get to like watch and then be a little bit involved in it too and like instead Mm -hmm. of your baby being taken across the room where you can't see and you're like what's going on over there yeah (laughs) Uh, I think it's such a neat experience to get to like watch it so close because I mean that's your baby (laughs) right Mm -hmm. Mm, right yeah so how long after you gave birth did you go home um so I could have gone home I think they were done and you know everything was good by like 11 o'clock so like four hours later um but being it was so late and we had a 45 minute drive and it was like negative six degrees outside mm. we were like <laughs> let's just stay here they were yeah. totally fine with us just staying the night and going home in the morning so that's what we did which my midwife was glad we decided to stay because um when I first got up to use the bathroom for the first time um I had lost like a decent amount of blood but not she said it wasn't like a concerning amount um but when I went to use the bathroom I like passed like a huge clot and then like kind of passed out I guess um Mm. I just like started you know getting dizzy and um everything went black for a little bit so they just laid me down and got me some electrolytes and some food and um I felt okay after that then um And then another time when I had gone to the bathroom, I think, you know, after a couple hours, I had some more bleeding and it was a decent amount. And my midwife was like, okay, I'm glad you're staying just so I can kind of keep an eye on you overnight. Mm. Um, But then I ended up being totally fine after that. So it was fine. We went home in the morning then. So was your baby like allowed to sleep with you and like since you were there all night or what were they like because I know at the hospital they're so like strict about your baby and where they Mm. sleep and everything what was it like being at the birth center with your baby um 
he slept in a so they had a bassinet there that mm-hmm. he slept in just next to the bed um she at first like didn't really want us to swaddle him with just like a regular blanket she said you should use like the velcro ones or whatever like the actual swaddles and we didn't have one of those with us so we didn't have him swaddled and he like anytime you'd set him down he'd wake up mm. um and she said if you like need to just get some sleep like you can just kind of like sit up on the pillows and just hold him on your chest and sleep like that so I did that for a while but then at one point he was just crying (laughs) wouldn't wouldn't lay down and she was like we can we can swaddle him in a blanket it'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) so we did that for the rest of the night but none of us really slept great there (laughs) yeah yeah I know I I think it's just like being in a different environment is just not super comfy (laughs) for parents and not that the baby Mm -hmm. probably knows any different but um, right yeah I always know I always sleep better at home (laughs) even with a newborn (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah so how was your postpartum then um once you know you were at home and you know back to adjusting to life now with three kids, two, two toddlers and a baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. Um, like going through a birth for the first time Mm. and postpartum and all that, but having other kids (laughs) to take care of, you know, like normally you just have a newborn. (laughs) Uh Um, so it was, it was difficult. Um, but I'm so thankful my husband was able to take time off of work. This was his slow season of work. So he was pretty much home for for sure two weeks, mm-hmm. maybe even three. Um, but those first, like, first couple of days, I felt pretty good. I think, you know, just running on adrenaline. Um, but then, like, after that, things started getting real, and it was really painful I mean I like I said I had the episiotomy and then I tore like second degree Mm. uh, beyond that and then I also had an upper labia tear Mm. so um it was pretty painful to sit and um then I also had a hematoma um where like the blood kind of pulls down there so it was just like would get really painful if I would sit or stand for too long so I pretty much laid in bed for three weeks Mm -hmm. um put it that way yeah (laughs) um but I'm so glad I was able to you know with Mm -hmm. my husband be home and also having so much help um from people around us and I was able to like fully rest and heal I feel like because then by you know four five six weeks I was feeling really good and pretty much back to normal so um that's how it was physically um mentally was pretty good like I feel like days like three to five after um giving birth were pretty rough mentally and then also breastfeeding which I know you usually ask about um that was pretty hard that first week too um 
he just like didn't have a very good latch and then I my nipples were cracked and bleeding and Mm. my my midwife just recommended um taking a little break and pumping and using a nipple shield you know every other time or whatever just to kind of let let them heal so I did that for a few days which is just like really it was just hard Mm. (laughs) there was one day where I just like cried the whole entire day (laughs) um but then things got better after that you know after I healed up a little bit and then when he was four weeks old um we had his lip and tongue tie revised and things have been really good since then oh, so he, has, he has a really good latch and breastfeeding is going good now so mm. wow it's so amazing to me like how I mean I feel like almost every other person I talk to like their baby has some kind of a tongue or lip tie or something mm-hmm. and it's amazing how um once you get that fixed how it can make such a huge difference <laughs> Right. Oh, man. Wow. So how were your kids with adjusting to the new baby? They did pretty good. Um, I mean, those first few days, it was just overwhelming for all of us, I think. Yeah. But um, we did have a babysitter that they stayed with for the first three nights. So um, we were able to, like, kind of adjust at home with the baby and then they were able to just come during the day and hang out and then they would go back and stay for the night so that was um really nice Mm. um but they absolutely love him like (laughs) my four-year-old still just like anytime she sees him just like he's so cute and then smothers him with like 10 kisses (laughs) oh i i have an almost four-year-old so i'm sure she's probably exactly the same it's a little a little too much sometimes right (laughs) give the child some space (laughs) oh it's so fun though they they're really good helpers and it's really fun that's cool i love it yeah Oh, man. What beautiful Mm -hmm. stories. I don't think... What a journey. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I just... That just must be, like, such a wild feeling to, like, give birth for the first time and then go home to your children you already have. (laughs) Like, it's Mm -hmm. just... Yeah, that's wild. And it's just so cool how the Lord works because so many people have commented on how our baby, Liam looks like our adopted kids like wow that's cool it's just it's just there's no other explanation but the lord <laughs> yeah yeah they it's were meant to be amazing. yours yeah mm-hmm. it's beautiful uh, i know yeah when my um husband adopted my daughter it was like i knew like he was always meant to be her dad like and i just like to think that like you know there's like that I mean, I, I believe it totally that there's like that exchange, like in heaven, like that, you know, like, yep, these, like, this is your kid, you know, like, I think that like, even though it's just a legal thing, I think there's something like spiritual that happens too. And I think it's like so beautiful and like adoption is just amazing. And yeah, I love it. I love it so much. (sighs) Um, did you have anything else from 
the adoption story or the birth story that you want to share? Do you feel like you covered everything? Hmm. Oh, I think I remembered what I was going to say, like way back when we were talking, um, when you said that you weren't expecting to go through like a, like post, um, placement depression or like post adoption, adoption depression and how you were saying like, it wasn't like I didn't want them or, you know, what, anything like that. It was just, and I was like thinking like, well, when you have a baby, you know, a lot of times, you know, women do go through a postpartum depression thing with the baby that they wanted, you know, so like, I don't think anyone would ever think that, but it totally makes sense that like, you know, it's, it's just the adjustment. Like, you know, when you, your life completely changes, like, of course we're going to like have, you know, those, I mean, I think a lot of times with, um, postpartum, it is hormonal as well, but like, I think with your situation too, like it makes sense that like, you know, you would going through such a huge life change that that would happen. And, um, yeah, just, it just seems like it would, would be normal, even if it's not something that like anyone would really think of or expect. <laughs> and that makes sense. Yeah. Um, whatever I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> but you haven't dealt with any like postpartum depression or anything with, with your baby? No. Um, no, I've felt no, really good. good. Um, I mean, like I said, in those first couple weeks, there were some moments and like the thought of my husband going back to work was like really overwhelming. But then by mm. the time he actually did go back to work, it was like, Oh, okay, I can do this. <laughs> like I can do this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and my baby is mm. incredible. Like he's super content and easy and he sleeps at night. So like, mm. I'm not like sleep deprived. <laughs> so I think that makes a yeah, big difference that helps. too. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you as a first time mom or like first time giving birth, like what, what was it that drew you to natural birth? Like what made you want to take that route? Um, I'm trying to think how long ago it was that I started like kind of just like realizing things with, you know, just overall health and non-toxic living. And then I feel like it was a lot of it, your podcast that um you know listening to stories of people who had like these traumatic births and then you know how the it was such a big shift when they switched over to like midwifery care and that you know that whole side of things um so I think just listening and also having friends and sisters who have walked through birth as well um just learned a lot and I just knew that you know my body was designed to do this and I wanted it to be as you know natural as possible and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah makes sense to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, yeah (sighs) so if you were going to give a piece of advice to a first-time mom about birth what's something that you would want her to know or like plan for that like maybe you didn't like expect or Mm. or something you did that you think really helped yeah um I mean the I did the pain-free birth course which is amazing and 
not like my birth wasn't pain free, but I feel like just how she explained how your body is designed and how everything works when you are in labor and delivering. Um, I feel like that's what really helped me in like throughout the labor process, like knowing how to breathe and visualizing what's happening, you know, when you're having contractions and like welcoming them rather than being like, Oh no, here comes another contraction. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what made the big difference for me. Um, throughout the laboring process mm-hmm. um, yeah. but I would just say yeah, like totally you you are totally capable and your body was designed to do this and trust that <laughs> yeah yeah so besides the pain-free birth course did you do anything else to help you prepare for your birth like resources wise um, I read a few books but I honestly don't remember the titles. It must not have been too life changing. <laughs> I feel like that that course was um, the most helpful for me. Yeah, yeah. I follow her on Instagram, and she shares a lot of good stuff. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, if you don't have anything else to share, we can wrap it up. Okay. Yeah, I think um, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I loved hearing, you know, your journey through, you know, your your stepping out in faith with the foster care and then, you know, how God led you through all of that into adoption and, um, you know, how you grew your family that way and then, you know, through your pregnancy and your birth and, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just beautiful, a beautiful story of of just obedience to what God has called you to do and the you know, the fruit and the encouragement that, that comes from it. It's beautiful. Mm, yeah. <laughs> just see God's faithfulness yeah, in all of it. Yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, if people wanted to reach out to you, um, about, you know, talking to someone who's been down the road of foster care, um, and adoption, how could they find you? Um, shoot, I was going to look up what my Instagram name is before I came on here, but I forgot. I think, I think it's Abby underscore Bertram on Instagram or Abby Bertram on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. And I'll put it in the show notes too, so that people can just scroll down and and see it written out there. Cool. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were encouraged in some way through this story. As a reminder, please rate and review our podcast, and you can connect with us on social media at Birth Journeys Podcast. For more information or to share your own story, please visit birthjourneyspodcast.com and fill out the brief questionnaire. See you next time.